Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. But today I'm going to cover some important subject because the Lord is leading us so far in Ephesians to find out our wealth, the wealth of the believer. We are learning through the book of Ephesians, that because of such wealth, such riches given unto us, will be impossible to walk in the same ordinary, normal way. So Ephesians covers the walk, I'm sorry, the wealth, the walk, and the warfare of the believer. Chapter 6 is all about the war, the battlefield. So we are in this session speaking about the walk. And I call my message today, The Overcomer Walk. Say with me, we are a church of overcomers. I know you don't like to repeat things that pastors ask you, but this is a, just a didactic teaching strategy, okay? Say, say again, say, we are a church of overcomers. Father, I pray Holy Spirit for revelation. I pray for insight. I pray for whoever is watching, listening to this message or is here today, Father. I pray for light in our darkness, life, abundant life in our death. Let us be transformed by the infallible, inerrant, powerful Word of God that is able to cut and divide what is natural and what is spiritual and make us overcomers. In Jesus' name, the whole church once says, Amen and amen. Now, I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12, but in a different version. It's called the Amplified Version. So that we, who were first to hope in Christ, who first put our confidence in Him as our Lord and Savior, would exist to the praise of His glory. We have a calling, a purpose of existence. Which is to live for the praise of His glory. I don't know what motivates you to wake up this morning. I don't know what makes you, what drives you. But there is this amazing invitation to live for the glory of God. Something that, that goes beyond your 80 to 70 years of existence on this earth. It is to live for an eternal cause. To bring glory to the eternal God and be participant already of something beyond the time. Now, God is calling us for a walk. And a walk is uh, more intense than a door. We always like to compare that the Christian life has the door experience and the walk or the path of experience. Or even better saying, if God is calling us... The day of our salvation was our wedding day. And wedding day is all about celebration. Is that excitement. But the walk with God is a marriage. It's a lifelong relationship. Come on somebody, say amen. Now I know, I know that some of you guys are being tired already. You're walking, but you're getting exhausted. And I'll be honest with you because some people are being left behind in their walk 
because they are trying to feed themselves, nourish their, their, that walk. They don't have enough fuel. They don't have enough battery. Their batteries is halfway already, and they are only 25 years old, 30 years old. And they, they say, I don't know if I can really make it. But let me explain the reason for being tired. The reason for being tired is what the prophet Isaiah tried to speak with the people of Judah. He says, even youth shall faint. I'm reading chapter 40, verse 30. And be weary. And young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wing like eagles. Say amen, everybody. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How can you walk the lifelong walk of an overcomer and stay as overcomer? And stay as an overcomer believer? You have to wait for the Lord. You have to have your energy, your source to live this Christian life in God. It is not in your own strength. It is in your, it's not in your own commitment, your willpower. This all drains itself up. Ephesians 3.16, that according to the riches of His glory. Remember, the very glory you live for now enriches you. That you can have strength. That He may grant you to be strengthened. So you can be spiritually energized. That's what I'm talking about. When you live for the glory of God, it's not a dragging, overloaded, heavy life. It is this uh, energized life. With power through His Spirit... In your inner being. Notice that the spirit, that this spiritual walk, this relationship with the Holy Spirit is essential for us to keep flying, soaring. Not only dragging ourselves, you know, crawling on the ground as, you know, miserable believers. That's not the will of God for His children. Amen, everybody. But if we want to... to Fly to soar with wing of eagles, we need to get the wind. So researchers found out that, you know, the, the eagle will, won't be able for long to flap its, its winds, wings because it is a huge bird. So as, as God created the eagles, they simply open their wings and soar, taking the uh, the flush of hot air that, that definitely because of conviction, just like push the air up upwards, and they just open their wings to soar. And maybe you don't know this, but the word spirit, even in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, means wind, wind, air, move of air. That's why. Paul makes a, a, co a correlation here. He, he connects the word, if you want to be energized, as Isaiah promised to those who wait for the Lord, if you want to be energized as those that has 
wing of eagles and soar, you have to have a spirit-filled life. Say amen, everybody. Like a genuine relationship with the Holy Spirit. And in that sense, you simply soar to the heights. The way of keeping walking, keep running, keep flying, is to be filled with the Spirit. We're going to talk about that today, but let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. The Amplified Version says, It's stripping off every unnecessary weight of sin. Sin weights us down, drags us down, which so easily and cleverly entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So while the Spirit lifts us up, sin drags us down. Flesh drags us down. That's why I want to strip off. I want to put off. I want to clothe off of everything that drags me down, that pulls me down. The walk of the overcomer is a light, enjoyable, free and fun walk. It's not a dragging life. Ephesians 2.10, now reading again in the Amplified says, or we, we are His workmanship, His own masterwork, a work of art. Created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, is spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking, taking paths which He set, so that we would walk in them, living the good life. Everybody say good life. And I know summer t-shirts always like to, you know, put this good life. Because you're in Fort Myers Beach, in Naples, you are in Bonita. No, no, good life is the walk with God. Living the good life, which He prearranged and made ready for us. So God never intended to restrict us. Never to, you know, uh, gives us desires that He's not able to satisfy. The problem is our old self. The problem is the sinful nature. But to free us to finally reach our full potential, God is working through His Spirit. So once you understand that God is for you, and that you did not become a Christian to get miserable, but to be cheerful, things will change. So as you get light-hearted, you also gear yourself for the walk. In other words, as you put off the old self, the Bible says, gear you yourself up, put on the new self. So in Ephesians chapter 4, we cover some of those put off and put on. And I couldn't finish last week, and that's where we're going to continue today. Let's go to verse 25 of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. And we are learning to put off in order to run lightly. 
to run faster, to walk and not get weary. Ephesians 4, verse 25. Therefore, having put away, put off, falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth. Say with me, speak the truth. Speak the truth. Speak the truth with his neighbor, which means with everybody. It's not only with brothers and sisters. It's not only when you are in church building. Neighbor, Jesus defined what a neighbor is. It's anyone, even those that you consider your enemy. Or people that you are not sympathetic with their style or language or, or you know, slangs or uh, accent. Like neighbors is everybody. For we are members one of another. So the first one here is to put off the falsehood and put on the truth. And again, this is more than not lying, guys. This is a call for honesty. Say with me, honesty. And you, you, just, you are just authentic. You're just who you really are. You don't pretend anything. You don't force anything. So you don't need to keep lying in order to keep the previous lie. You know what I'm talking about, right? So there, there, there are people that struggle with lies because in order to cover the first lie, they have to keep lying. And that's why there's, there's an expression in Portuguese in my, the back of my mind that every lie has small legs, right? Small legs. In other words, it can run faster. Eventually, every lie will be caught up by the truth. So don't, don't create this habit. Actually... This should not even be part of our lives. Why? Because we are the people of the kingdom of God. So we have a different language. We are nobles. We have nobility. We don't carry that, that kind of structure in our language anymore. And, and I like to speak about language because Portuguese is my first language. English is becoming my second language. And when you have this opportunity to have multiple languages, you, you really uh, enjoy the ride noticing things. For example, um, I learned years ago, I was in a restaurant with a group of pastors. And I don't know why, but the, the Portuguese language, it seems that you need to over-explain yourself. You're extremely pro pro prolixual. We extend the explanation more than it needed. And unfortunately, part of that was transferred to my English learning. You probably noticed that. It's my bad. I'm sorry. I don't try to over-explain. It's just part of this heritage I carry, okay? So I was in this table, and we were having a lunch, and I just want to excuse myself for the bathroom. So I says, I just said, excuse me, I'm going to the bathroom. And the pastor replied, it's okay. I don't care. But he said in that way that in my translation, I said, that's such a rude way. Why he's saying that? But he actually didn't care. I don't need it to, you know, explain everything. I just simply could say, excuse me, and leave. But why I needed to over-explain myself, right? To say that I'm going, you, got, you guys got it, what I'm saying. So, so you see that some languages carry structures that doesn't contain the necessary things that we think was important. Another, you know, thing that has come to my mind, Pastor John, he's my, you know, ultimate teacher for part of my hermeneutical interpretation, but also in my English level. So he says, I know that sometimes trying to get the attention of your people, say, pay attention on me, guys. And we say that 
in Portuguese a lot uh, for common language. But he says, this is very rude when you speak to an American ear. A person is going to listen to this as you are treating them as a childish person. And he said, but I never intended that. I, he says, I know, but in our structure of language, you only say that. Pay attention to a little kid. I say, all right. Can, I, can you pay attention to what I'm trying to say? No. So, in other words, what I'm trying to say is that in the language of the kingdom, pay attention. There's no lies. Lies doesn't fit in our kingdom language structure. You don't need to use it because this belongs to your old self. In your new self, there is no lie, no space, no place for lies. Say amen, everybody. Hallelujah. Now, there's a second one. Ephesians 4.26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Last week, we, you know, expounded a little bit about it. We brought the example of Saul as a person that never dealt correctly with his bitterness and anger against David. And that was a big problem because a man that one day was spiritually filled, now was spiritually oppressed. You guys remember this story. So, it is true that you may not be able to control the feeling of anger, but definitely you can manage your words and actions. That's what Paul is trying to say. Anger is a feeling. And feelings are just feelings. They don't need to become harsh words and violent actions. Disrespectful words. Actually, if you break the disrespect protection in the relationship you have, friends, brothers in the church, but mainly in your marriage, I'm telling you, you are heading to the precipice. You are heading to beyond words do a mass action, a wrong action. Don't do that. So remember... Our feelings can be just in the realm of the feelings. But let's be very clear here because Paul says, when you have that anger moment, you are just angry. You're just mad. You're just like the, the, the stress of the day brought you to that moment of anger with the traffic. That consequentially you channel toward your kids. The consequentially, you, you turn to your wife or husband and sometimes toward your church and brothers. What the Bible is trying to encourage us is deal with the anger as soon as possible. Vent out. Reason it out. So I have this uh, situation with my wife because my wife, she never gets angry. I'm missing her so much. This is not just a fake Compliment is true. She gets hangry. is different than angry. She, when she's hungry, I have a problem. So it's super easy to resolve her anger issue. I just take care of her, you know, feeding her well. That's it. And I have the rest of the week completely in peace. But sometimes I get angry for whatever. 
Sometimes it's not because the, you know, the order didn't arrive in time for whatever project we have here in the church building. You know, like a, a leader is, you know, discouraged and after we invested so much and or maybe a broadening the church is just like frustrated with the church for no reason, you know, and we have nothing else to do and you get frustrated and that frustration escalating in anger. And so I come home and I'm angry and mad and she notices in the tone of my voice. So she knows how to unlock that anger issue. He says, are you angry at me or at something else? In other words, the reason it about. And I said, no, it's about this situation. So my anger, I'm, I'm angry over that situation that I didn't have control and my powerlessness the feeling of, you know, I could not do anything about it. My over-controlling issue, my OCD mental problem attacked me. He says, all right, but, but what can we do about it? And then I said, there's nothing to do about it, nothing else to do about it. And she says, so let's pray. We pray, and that's it. So when you reason your anger issue, most of the time you're going to find out there is no basis to sustain it. There's no platform where you can hold that anger for long. And what happens is just vanish. It goes away. Are you guys with me? So this is what Paul is trying to say. Resolve the matter as soon as possible. Possible. Because if you don't do it, it fastens. It rottens. It can become bitterness. And bitterness is a big problem. Look what it says, verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away, put off, clothed off from you along with all malice. Don't, don't carry that weight. If you keep and carry bitterness, your Christian walk will be very heavy. And you will get tired. And like Isaiah says, you will get exhausted. Don't carry bitterness. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you, forgave us. So put off the uncontrolled anger that can evolve, it can escalate to bitterness, to slandering. you overthinking about that person and now you are creating this parallel world that is not real, that people are conspire against you which is really kind of madness like only crazy people do that what I mean is you are totally convinced that people are thinking about you such and such like you have more power than Satan because you know people think that the devil knows everything that goes to your mind but he does not he does not know what goes to your mind in other words, you are thinking that people are thinking about you. And you are just like making these presumptions and you leave this spiral down. And you become very close to the enemy that is ready to accuse others. That is ready to affirm things about others. When you let your frustration, pay attention on that guys, this is very important. When you let your anger evolving to bitterness inevitably you will speak bad about that person you're thinking of you're gonna just vent out you're gonna spew out bitterness because bitterness is 
is like leaven. It's like this. You know, the, uh, give me, the, uh, uh, give me the, the name of the ingredient that makes things. Yeast. That's the word. It's like yeast. It's just like uh, uh, swallowing things up. Just like grows itself inside of you. So you will speak out. Your mouth will speak what your heart is full of. It, it, it's inevitable. You're going to start to fall into slandering. That's, that's what Paul is trying to say here. You will speak words that are not true about other people because you are overthinking. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Strive for peace with everyone. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Oh my goodness, I don't want to fail to obtain the grace of God. I can't live without the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it become defiled. How many people, because they let bitterness fasten their hearts, and usually, like we're saying here, comes out of a frustration that made you angry, that made you disappointed, but you didn't resolve on the last night, and you're holding this thing for an entire season. Look, listen, to the entire season, you had the whole season of life group to go to your leader, to talk about it, to be honest, to be truthful. But now out of the blue, you're making this decision. Why are you making this decision? Because you did not deal with the anger, frustration on the last night. And it's evolving to this point. To this point that now you even speak. Because let's, let's be honest, words matter. So that's what Paul is trying to deal here. The clamor, the slander. Slander in the original, the, the original word is blasphemia. Yeah, it's blasphemy. Because you are speaking about a person what is not true. And any speech that denigrates another instead of truth, you are presuming. And the calling, the challenge that Paul sets before us is, don't you remember you were forgiven? Don't you remember that the grace of God first came to you. You have enough grace to dispense grace for others. Say amen, everybody. Grace is not a doctrine for us, you know, feel proud about it. As, a, you know, theologians, scholars, you know, evangelical Christians, it has that. No, no, no. Grace is meant to be used for others. Verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. But only such as is good for building up. As fits the occasion. Now, if you are not planning to build up a person. If you are not intending to build up the credit. The status of that person. It's better you be quiet. It's better be quiet. Unless you want to resolve the situation. But you are simply now speaking out of slandering, lies, presumption. Don't open your mouth. 
Yes, I just said to you to shut up. I'm sorry, I never said that to you. But if you're not going to speak something to build up, don't say it. Don't turn your anger into sin. Can you guys follow up the train of thought that Paul is building over here? It's very important. And then he gives us this amazing statement. He says, our words may give grace to those who hear. When I, I thought about it, I pray about this verse. I said, God, this is so powerful. I can really dispense grace through my words. I can give grace, your grace, to other people. And do not grieve, verse 30, the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So now we close the whole idea. We start with a spirit life walk. And now we're closing our thoughts saying that if you don't take care of your walk, Instead of being spirit-filled, soaring with the wing of egos, you will actually grieve the Holy Spirit. And some commentators, I know, they fret, they get, you know, uh, very concerned with this notion that we humans can actually touch God's feeling. And maybe that could be a Hebrew uh, uh, speech, a uh, figure of speech. But Paul was writing in Greek here, which means that his words meant exactly what he put it down. Yes, this is not a metaphor. We can hurt people as much as our God's heart with our words. So I have to decide to put off words that tear down and put on words that build up. If you ever went to Vine Experience, one of our conversations, we speak about that. We decided intentionally to be a cheerful church. There are so many bad news already out there. And we have one week opportunity to give you good news. Let's choose to build up instead of tear down. Say amen, everybody. We already spoke about the not putting off the stealing and put on the hard work. So I'm going to skip this part. And now I want to just remind you, it's more than just, you know, a wandering around walk, guys. This is more than just uh, uh, having a, a walk in a park kind of walk. This is a purposeful uh, with an aim and goal at the end. This is the overcomer walk. What I'm trying to say is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26. Paul says, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So, the overcomer walk is a purposeful walk. It has a design. It has a goal. We are running, not dragging ourselves. This is the walk of the overcomer. And the best way of doing that walk is keeping our eyes in the one that forerun us, foreran us, Jesus. He is already in the finish line. Waiting, preparing a house for us, 
a reward for us, a crown of victory for us. Say amen, everybody. That's actually the challenge of Hebrews, but also here in chapter 5, which we're going to open up today. Probably not going to close chapter 5. But this is how Paul opens chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God. As beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us. We look to Jesus in the finish line, and we run toward Him. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. We don't look to the left or to the right. We keep our eyes on Him. And with that, we're not going to drag or drown in the waters like Peter. We're going to run. We're going to fly with the wing of eagles. Say amen, everybody. 